Welcome to Reaper Remedy Episode 6. Today I have a good friend of mine, McLean Ambrosio. I actually grew up with his younger brother. I've known him since kindergarten, which is actually funny. Today I was cleaning out the uh, kindergarten room because I work as a summer custodian on a side job. And uh, I was actually cleaning out the room where me, um, his brother Teddy, and my friend, our other friend John met. And uh, we were just sitting there kind of chuckling about that. So uh, McLean is a uh, rapper who uh, first started about how long ago? About five years ago. And uh, McLean is one of those guys, he's always been doing good with his music. He did a benefit show, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah. And um, so, as you guys might know from the podcast, I'm, I'm a metalhead. Because mm-hmm. I like aggressive, intense music. And as of recently, I've been noticing, really, rap is, uh, you're talking aggressive. It takes the cake, and to me... That's why I've started really getting into it recently because it's got a punch to it that, like, it's got that same punch that metal has. It's like that. It's emotion, but in more than one way. Yeah, I think it's interesting how, um, personally, like, understanding rap through different decades, and obviously music evolves, but I think what's funny is uh, a lot of music branches into genres. Like, you have rock and roll. Uh, obviously coming from jazz and then you have from rock coming like metal and things like that but rap is kind of it has little branches but it kind of consistently stays one genre and changes a lot and now you you're seeing more uh aggressive styles over different kinds of beats um where when rap kind of started like then gained popularity more in the 90s you had those aggressive styles over kind of the opposite of the beats we're seeing today. So yeah, you're right. It is kind of uh, funny how it's cyclical, I guess. Recently, one genre I've gotten like really into is kind of this like rap funk metal. It's a pretty small genre. There's one band, Rage Against the Machine, that just mm-hmm. does it the best. I think like before a hockey game, if I need to get pumped up, that was what I was listening to. And then uh, the band Anthrax worked with uh, Public Enemy all the time. Yeah, so uh, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Rage Against the Machine because right now I think uh, Be Real from Cypress Hill and Chuck D from Public Enemy are touring with them as a new group. The name escapes me, but they are really doing an interesting job of taking the uh, more counterculture parts of both metal and rap and putting them into one thing. Yeah, and I mean, their their music always has this powerful message to it i mean like it's a they always make their songs driving and that's the thing about rap sometimes metal i mean it has this thing where like you can listen to a song sometimes and be like oh wow that was heavy did it have any meaning behind it then you listen to a rap song you're like wow that guy just spilled like his guts out about how he feels about this and like emotion i'm like and he made it rhyme i'm like I can barely talk in like coherent sentences and you have people like McLean just you're totally right how people can take uh, a really deep part of themselves and bring it out in a rap and you can do that in other forms of music I think that's one of the more gripping parts of music is when you can relate to somebody's very niche thought that you're like oh I thought I was the only person who thought about that and I think that's what appeals to me about rap um, one memory I have of you, McLean, which I remember uh, asking Teddy, I remember I was 
I'm walking down. It's a good memory. Oh yeah, it's a it's a great. One. I was walking downstairs and I see you sitting in your usual studio, same chair, looking at a book, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's doing. So I'm like, oh, Teddy, what's McLean doing there? He's, oh, he's looking at a book to get find some words. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he's got a show coming up. He wants to make sure he's ready. I'm like, I've never done that much preparation for a show. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's funny that you mentioned that because I. Uh, like in my preparation for writing an album or doing a show, I just like write down, I'm like, that would be a fun word to rhyme and like write down certain things. And that was me just sitting there and being like, what are all the words that I forgot to put in the album that I can put into anything during the show? And uh, actually that show was, we did a Christmas uh, concert and we were the first act. And it was awful. We were in and doing a show while before the doors opened, they had a start. So people were walking in and once everybody got there, they were like just talking with each other, like getting together. And it was like near the end of my set. So I was like, what's the only way to fix this and get people to pay attention? And then I realized I was doing a show for a bunch of people that I knew. So I started freestyling them and calling them out by name and telling them to pay attention in the freestyle. And that's when, like, I have been exposed to a lot of people doing performances throughout my whole life. But that's when I really felt like for the first time, the power of being on stage and being able to command the attention of, like, specific people through music. And it's, like, a real eye-opening moment for me. And the moment you really captured me was uh, he did a benefit show two years ago. We were mm-hmm. talking about it. Um, and I, I opened for him. And it was uh, people actually started pouring in before the doors opened. And McLean's like, all right, go up now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and But he called a random person up from the crowd, just went, all right, you, give me a word. And the guy gave him a word. Went like two minutes off of that word, give me another word. And he just was able to rap off of like, he was given like words I've never heard in my life before. And McClane was just like, got it. And that was like, that was the moment where I was like, wow, like that's something I could never do. And that's always when I get like, if someone does something that I look and I'm like, like for instance, like a vegetarian, something I could never personally do. Yeah. But I have so much respect for people who do it because I could never do that. So something like rap, I'm like, I have no idea how people go about doing that. So to me, I'm like, must take a crazy amount of talent and hard work. So I have like the utmost respect for people who do it. It's just. Do you think that comes from um, like a desire to do it? Because before I even started doing music, like if somebody was like, do you wish you could play guitar? Like, ah, it doesn't kill me that I can't. But now I wish that I could really wrap my head around the instrumentation of the beats and everything. And like, as much as I try, I can't really get it. Do you think that comes from that? Or do you think it comes from more of just like, all right, I'm going to stay in my zone, you stay in your zone, but I really respect what you're doing. I mean, I think you can always, you know, cross over into that, like working with, but I've always been big with like, if you're good at that thing, keep being good at that thing. Mm -hmm. And while you're doing that branch out, like, so like if you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm really getting this wrapping thing down. Maybe then it's a time to really step in and 
say, okay, maybe I'll start learning Thai. I think it's all about really drive and where you want to put it. Cause like, I mean, there was a while I was trying to learn bass and it's something like at the time, I don't think I was ready for. I think I wasn't developed as enough as a guitarist to be worrying about a second instrument. And now looking back, I think right now is a good time for me to start learning. And up until recently, it's always been, wow, how does this guy play with bass like that? I have, yeah, there's always like something that you're aiming for, but like you see, you just try to emulate like somebody that you want to be. Yeah. I mean, when uh, they actually like, I mean, it's not exclusive to rap, but they say your first rap album is just somebody who you likes rap album done worse because everybody's trying to emulate like all these other people because that's your influence. And those are the people that you see. And for me, like when I started to do my first album, it was like weird because it was like almost a transformative experience. Like I had to go and build the studio that I used. And like in a lot of ways, that's kind of, you, you build guitars and yeah. you do all that stuff. So like, I know that you can relate to that, but there's no local rappers where we live. So I had to kind of like look around and figure out who am I going to like choose to emulate. And that comes pretty naturally, but well, the first three rappers that left a huge impact on you. Um, the first three rappers that I was like, okay, I definitely want to do something like that are Nas, uh, Ghostface Killer, who's from Wu Tang, uh, and I guess in a more modern sense, because those two guys are like really one. In a more modern sense, like I like a, what J Cole tries to do. I like that he works hard to uh, like plan most of what he says. And I think he really does put a lot of effort into each word, which is something that uh, like writing verses and stuff, you can get lazy a little bit and just figure out like how that would flow. But I appreciate a rapper who like sits down and says to himself, I want to say this, let me figure out how to say this. And it becomes more of like a puzzle. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned Wu-Tang. Right? Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the rap groups that on one of my personal playlists, like my everyday playlist, just because if you want to talk about music with drive behind it, mm -hmm. oh my God. Yeah, Wu-Tang is, I think, one of, if not the most interesting story in rap, because it really was like nine guys who got together and they're like, we don't want to live in these conditions anymore. Let's find a way to get out of it. And then the head guy, RZA, decided he was going to do their five-year plan. And in five years, he got them all out of it. And they all, like, not everyone's as famous, yeah. uh, but all of them have, like, great careers. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's a super interesting study on drive. Like, one guy decided he was going to take full control of the group. He did all the beats. He decided who was going to be on all the songs and then did it. That's crazy. But the movie Dirt came out a couple months ago about mm -hmm. Motley Crue, and they had a very similar story. The lead singer uh, realized, or no, not even the bassist, Nikki Six. he was actually the guitarist at the time, was like, man, we suck. And he was like, <laughs> he was a horrible musician. Up until, I think, the 90s, when he actually sat, like, late 90s, he sat down and actually learned bass. Couldn't play music, but he had that drive, and he had that knowledge, knowing how to create a successful band. And that's what helped them rise to success was that drive from him, that knowledge. So even 
if you're not that great at music, it's really, like you said, it's, it's about drive sometimes. Yeah. I mean, how much music do you think comes out of necessity? Like, there's a big thing in rap about, like, getting yourself out of the conditions that you're in, which isn't not found in other genres, but I feel like it's far more prevalent in rap. How much music do you think is created, and what makes it different than music that's created for other reasons? I find, actually, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of new metal. It's mm-hmm. like a band like Slipknot, for instance. That early stuff, uh, uh, their lead singer, Corey Taylor, uh, his youth life was a mess. He, I mean, he grew up in Iowa because uh, he well, got dropped off. Well, you have to off. grow up in Iowa. Yeah, he got dropped off in his grandparents' house because his parents didn't want him anymore or something. I, I don't remember the exact story, but uh, what ended up happening is he was like, this is not what I want to do, and he was really talented at vocals. So he really rose from, like, the best way to say it, he rose from ashes. I mean – he he overdosed twice before the age of 18 and he was like i need to get out of this and really music was his path but it's more prevalent in rap initially you see it a lot in metal and rock in more of second groups and stuff after that Mm -hmm. a lot of people do it because their bands are far broken up and they're washed up and for lack of better terms they're druggies They're, they're not making money anymore and a lot of music then like a lot of stuff after like there's one of my favorite bands pantera uh the guitarist was gunned down stage he's uh, dimebag daryl in my opinion one of my favorite guitarists one of the best guitarists in my opinion um and it really left a whole impact he was gunned down after pantera broke up because they were in a different band and some guy was like hey he stole my song and decided yeah. the best way to go was to shoot him on stage but uh but do you think that when people die too soon their impact is felt more than people who like are great and then live long enough to maybe like get past their prime yeah i mean that's actually you were going the direction i was going i was going to talk about a uh, lead singer of pantera phil and simo at the time wasn't doing too well for himself uh last pantera i think the last pantera album he recorded from his house. The rest of the band were in the studio together because he simply couldn't get out of his house. He was on so many drugs. Like, but then he started performing again. And I mean, he started. The problem with him was he got famous to the point where he started saying and doing stuff that right, shouldn't have. Shouldn't do, yeah. So he, they were both very respected and then once around the time don was shot phil really started to take a dive for even worse and it became this whole thing of like almost if it was phil i think he would have been that really respected guy and maybe who knows it's right i think though definitely musicians who tend to die too young tend to definitely i, I don't want to say benefit because they right. can't benefit from it but for me like a big drive to aren't making music is so that I wasn't like, man, what if I started doing the rap stuff like years later? And uh, I remember when I built the studio, you came in, I was covered in like paint and dust from sanding. I walked out and you came downstairs to hang out with my brother. And I was obviously exhausted. And you walked over, you looked around and you went, hmm, I don't think this is soundproof enough. And I was like, 
thanks, Nick. <laughs> and, and I, but the thing is, when you said that, you walked away, and I'm like, he's right. It's not soundproof enough. And I, I was mad that you, that you exposed the truth. But it was funny, like, when you were like, oh, I'm, I'm trying this, like, new venture. I'm doing this new thing with these picks. Yeah. I was like, well, that's good because Nick's thorough. Nick's the guy. And, like, that's more an understanding that you get when you do creative projects and stuff yeah. because there's a perfectionist and then there's also like part of it where you have to leave well enough alone. And I, I think that comes through in music a lot because you could overdo music like yes. hard. Yeah. That's one of the problems I have a lot of modern music is that overdoing. I'm trying to remember in particular, it was heartbreaker by Led Zeppelin. One of my all time favorite solos. And you can hear in, the solo and me and me and my friend John, who me, Teddy and John have been best friends since kindergarten. Um, John's like, Oh, he made a little mistake there. I'm like, no, that's what makes it like, you can hear he misses a note here. And I mean, back then you were doing tape, like real tape. So it was, you had to go back, cut it, tape it. It was, it was a problem if you messed up, but that sonic, almost imperfectness in music sometimes is better than having that perfectly polished product. Like riding a fine line between an emotion of feeling there right as it's happening and then actually having like a sonically great project. Because like we mentioned Wu-Tang, but Old Dirty Bastard's entire thing was that he was like super grimy and on their second album, all of his verses sound like they were recorded like through a toast but they're great and it adds to his persona. It adds to the like imperfect perfection in a way of the music. And that's like totally true. I totally get that. Uh, so you brought up recording your first album. I'm in the process right now. I mean, I've been kind of neglecting it due to quite a busy life, but I'm in the process right now of a punk band recording my first full album. And we had to make that choice. What do we want? Do we want that sonic perfectness? I mean, we're recording in a basement out of Long Island, so I don't know how close to sonic perfectness we would have got. But then we realized, like, what genre, like, what route of punk do we want to go down? Because we were playing around with a lot of stuff, and we really just went for this kind of hardcore punk, which is almost I would, other than like rap metal, I'd put that some of the closest. Extr more extreme music with guitars to rap because it's that same, you know, it's way like of, aggressive. Yeah, it's that yeah. same way of putting yeah. out the words. And we actually left. There were some conversations before recording guitar tracks that you can just roughly hear over the mics. Like, there was one that's like, yo, idiot, your guitar's not tuned. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's good. It's good. We're going to leave it like this. And they're like, it's going to sound like crap. I'm like, no, it's not. And we left that little clip in the beginning of our first song because we were like, it's just too funny. I mean, if it's super polished and it lacks that personality, it could be good, but it could also be like royalty free music. Yeah. So you kind of have to, it's like a weird way to ride that line because you don't want to be too personality. I think sometimes it's like, all right, this guy just wants to be like the it guy. Yeah. And he's trying way too hard to do it. And that's like a, a huge balance and in general, like, I think making music is 90% balancing what you want to do, what you can do, and, like, what's happening in the moment. 
I'm on a new thing of just hitting like a randomize on a synthesizer and then doing an entire song based on the sound that comes out of the synthesizer and making the beat around it and doing like stuff like that. When you start writing songs, what do you think comes first? Like lyrics, music, sometimes this or that? Um, it depends. Like sometimes there's a great drive of emotion. Like I'll be sitting like, not even that, like something might happen in my life and I'll be sitting down and kind of reflecting on what happened. I'll be like, oh wait, I got an idea for lyrics. But most of the time it's actually, I have a lot of riffs without a lot of lyrics to it. Cause I mean, I spend most of my time just up in my room playing guitar. And I mean, most of it's just kind of noodling around trying to write stuff and mostly riffs, like riffs come first and I'll build the song off of that first intro riff. But um, the one song I've been working on outside of the punk band right now, outside of like, I have a bunch of little projects going on in my mind right now and I'm, I'm horrible. I was actually watching today this video from this guy, Gary V. He's an entrepreneur. And uh, I've been following his stuff. So he was talking about how a great entrepreneur is actually focusedly unfocused, was his words, or something like that. You have to, he's like, you want to diversify, you want to do this. So, like, he's like, I started a company for this one day because he's like, I don't do that yet. And he's like, and it wasn't because I wanted to be that guy who does everything. He's like, it just, it entertains me to do other stuff. So, I mean, like, I'm playing in a punk band right now, but I'm writing progressive stuff on the side. And I have, like, this, that actually, the chorus came to me first. I was sitting in bed, and I was just like, wow, I have a chorus. And I was like, wow, I have a verse now, and stuff started flowing. Yeah. And then I started writing the music. But it, it all really does depend on a There's, like, no great situation. than all of it coming together yes. in, like, two seconds. Like, I did a song once shortest song I've ever done, 45 minutes, and it's my most popular song, and it's the best song that I've done, and it has the most replay value, and it makes me so mad <laughs> that I can't replicate the 45-minute song, and I mean, like, the new album I put out, I put it out in January, it's not that new now, but um, it, it's like half of the songs took a year, and then the other half of the songs took, like, hey, we need to round out this album with five more songs. And the other half of them I like more. <laughs> so it's like so confusing. Uh, so what's your favorite song off your album? Um, I know it's a hard thing to pick. It's hard. Yeah. You hear it so many times, you yeah. start to hate your own music. It's hard, I'm going <laughs> to cheat because it's so hard. I think the best complete thought that I'm happy with and something that I like to chase is the song Moonbeams. But I think the best song on the album is probably Burdens, the first track. And I'm really proud of that track because it uh, it went through like four or five incarnations yeah. with no features on it, and then one feature, and then no features again, and then me doing the hook, and me realizing I can't sing, and then bringing all those other people back and doing a brand new yeah. version of it. So, and, and then it finally worked. My favorite song of this, Callaway. I oh, just, yeah. Well, you guys love Callaway. Yeah. You guys are, like, uh, printing me money from the Callaway <laughs> Spotify stream. I actually, I like, I heard that song, and I, it's got that intro. Yeah. It, I was like, what? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a, he has that old record. I'm like, I'm willing to bet you from that. Well, actually, that one was funny because 
you were um like i was like you know what i was talking to my friend my best friend produces the music and he's like getting on my nerves about another song i'm like i'm replacing you you're done and like we were just kidding so i went online and i was like old timey beats (laughs) and the first thing that came up was not a rap beat but it was the song mini the moocher and then he's like get out of here and in like five minutes he made the beat for callaway which samples mini the moocher and that's the song that took 45 minutes start to finish and drives me insane (laughs) yeah that song i remember first hear it like the day that album came out i'm like all right i'm gonna listen to this because it's like anytime anyone i know comes out with a new album the second i know it comes out like cold blood capital came out with a new album when they released it at 12 o'clock on july 4th i was on spotify refreshing come on where is it where is it and like so the second claims came out i listened to it and by some luck that was the first song and i was just like the second mclean kicks in i was like wow all right i heard about 45 seconds of the song added it to my playlist i'm like all right there we go listen to the rest of it i was like wow it's and it was i thought it was a complete step in like a new direction for you where it was just yeah thank you i mean i really appreciate that because that's kind of like how i felt too. Yeah. the moment that it came out um because my like short musical journey has been super weird like i started with a group but the group was just me saying to my friends we're gonna make a rap album who wants to do it and then uh like after the first album everybody's like now we're good we don't want to really commit the time except for my friend who made the beats who's interested in it then we chased it and did the second album and it was good but you could see that it had the relics of me trying to do the group thing and then the third one uh really like like i felt that too like when it came out i'm like oh this is what i sound like doing a rap yeah, it was a personal experience and mm-hmm. me knowing you i could really hear you your your voice and your style really coming through it i was like and it's such a it's a well-polished album it's produced beautifully thank you i man. like usually like you know especially in like your first like four or five albums yeah. you're producing in a basement you usually get in the basement, you usually but, yeah. get like a fizziness of like or like the pop filter is not good but like mm-hmm. the vocals are always like sonically not perfect because sonically yeah, but perfect is going over the edge right. but it's that it's on that perfect line from like just amazingly done music thanks a lot of people don't realize the nerves that a musician gets from playing the album for other people yeah. while you're in the room because you like I mean, they always talk about songs as like your babies, but it really is, even if it's not bearing your soul, it's like, please just have good things to say. And sometimes it's like, I I really care about this. And other times it's like, I really don't want to go back in the studio and redo the verse. I'm exhausted. (laughs) Just have good things to say. So I think it's like, uh, it's funny how much of yourself you can pour into it. And sometimes you don't even realize it until you get critique from other people. And they say something that you tried to impart on them and they got it without you saying it to them, which is like really cool. And that when you did that benefit show for us, I think that was something that people got from you, even though, I mean, I did make you slave away for two hours (laughs) playing guitar, but uh, 
I think people got something from it that maybe they didn't expect to get when they walked in and just saw you standing playing guitar alone because it was you there doing your thing. It wasn't Nick's covering these songs. It was Nick is playing this music. Nick is in his own element. Yeah, I played like an hour of originals. and I started going, oh, what do you guys want to hear? So I was like, Black Sabbath. I'm like, I got you. And it was like, because it's so hard. As just a guitarist on stage, like I think if I, I would like to think if I had a drummer or something, that would have been so much like a little bit easier. Yeah, but like or a singer because I don't sing, so I was covering the vocal part while still trying to play the rhythm, which was something I've played around with. But that was like my first time actually doing that. Like, and I was really happy the way it was turning out. And uh, it's actually like a perfect segue because uh, you know the whole point of Reaper Remedy, as I explained to you, yeah. is. How do you use music to help yourself and help others? And I think your story on how you got into rapping was a perfect story for the uh, podcast. Yeah, so I made up the story to get on the podcast, so now I can drop this whole charade. But uh, my story about getting into music is five years ago, I graduated high school, started my first semester in college, and then I was diagnosed with cancer. Came totally out of the blue. I remember that. That was, uh, that was even rough on our family. I remember my mom coming in, and I think it was into my room, being, hey, Clay was diagnosed with cancer. I was like, Ambrosio? She's like, yeah. I'm like, really? Because like, like, he's always been like a second brother to me. It's always been like, cause, I mean, I've known the family for so long. It felt like I just got told a family member of cancer. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, it really blindsided like everyone involved and it made me rethink the question can I do something in the sense of can I wait to do it or should I do it or what resources do I want to put forward it kind of changed my perspective on what I have to do to make myself happy and make myself fulfilled and I said to myself, I'm like a huge fan of rap. I do a lot of creative things. Uh, Let me put together an album. And I started studying and trying to figure out like music theory, which I never, still don't understand. I don't understand. Um, It's okay. I have four Amazon books on music theory. I have not finished any of them. Uh, And I kind of like found my place in the group of people who I surrounded myself with who were really supportive of me. And then also saying to myself, like at any moment there could be this weird twist and turn in your life. You might as well do what you want to do now so that when that moment comes, you don't have any regret. And that is what really started me doing music. And now it kind of has evolved into, uh, I don't care if one person listens to my album I don't care if a million people listen to it. If it helps me out, if it makes me feel good about what I'm doing, then I'll continue to make music. And when I don't feel that feeling anymore, I won't be upset when I say like, you know what, that's my last album. Because I think it's more of a uh, kind of trying to figure out like where you stand with yourself sometimes. So I guess how music helps me is it 
allows me to understand more about myself when I, when I do music and when I write from like a real serious part. And like, as far as like helping others, I think it's super important in general to just be giving back. Uh, I mean, here's a, here's my shout out right now. Uh, if you have the opportunity, anybody who's listening, uh, donate to Sloan Kettering Cancer Center because they do excellent work and they do it at a very low cost for people who need it. And they are an all encompassing place, very helpful, and uh, they save a lot of lives. And that's, I mean, you helped contribute to it. You came and uh, played for what I, <laughs> I accidentally made you play for way too long in a really, really hot basement. But um, we all made the sacrifice. And uh, we actually raised almost $3,000 in that one night, which is kind of a drop in a bucket, but it's something. And if everybody would kind of get together in a consensus that like we should work hard to give back, I think that would only benefit everyone. And if you don't want to donate to that for some reason, I think just in general, using your talents to donate in any way. If you like making movies, uh, like volunteer to make movies for an animal shelter uh, if, and get animals adopted. There are a lot of different ways that you can help people. And I think it's just super important to use the talents that we hone to give back. And that's kind of the whole thing about Reaper Remedy and uh, Grip Gives Back, which is our charity foundation we're working on getting set up. And obviously, if you ever do in our charity show, uh, Grip Reaper and all that, we'll do everything we can to make sure you continue raising money. I'll get air conditioning. I promise. It was funny because, like, a quick little story. Right before we were talking about, you know, a couple of musicians recently got our picks and are like, man, I really need to try it on stage to understand it. And it was that day when I played almost two hours straight in a hot basement, I was like, wow, this pick is a difference maker. I can take full responsibility for the success of the pick. and I'm very, very happy about that. No, but that, that was a fun show. And yeah. that was a show that actually I learned a lot about like my ability as a performer too. Because if you remember right after you, we had a full band come on yeah. and they very unfairly played don't let me down and killed it and had everybody singing along and i was like great i'm the headliner and everybody just sang along and got nuts for that band and it was just me just one guy and a dj who i had trained like four hours before how to transition through a song so just to like make it through that was another like kind of something for myself that i didn't know and I think that was like, I think it's cool how little moments that you don't realize are going to change you in some way definitely do. Yeah. All right. So uh, do you have any um, Instagrams, anything you like to plug, your Spotify? Uh, yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at Mac2Stacks. That's Mac, M-A-C-K underscore two underscore S-T-A-C-K-S. And there you can check out all the links to my Spotify. You can check out, uh, I also do stand-up comedy. You could check that out too. And uh, come see me on stage, whatever I'm doing. And it, we would love to have whoever shows up. And thank you, Nick, for having me on the podcast. Thank you for being here. You're one of the first guests of the name.
Yeah, no, it was a, it was a yeah. great conversation. I had a great time. So, Nick, also I brought an unreleased song awesome. that I would like to send out with this podcast. The song is called War, and it's cool because it's a one full audio loop in a song, which is something that I've been trying to do. And uh, it would be great if uh, I could honor you by giving it out in this podcast. I would love to. Absolutely. So I'm going to do everybody like a play on the everybody wants to make love thing. Okay. War Cedar, black skies and centurion battalions. Trying to get my black thoughts live like Jimmy Fallon. I'm gritty and callous with a shimmering chalice. And it's brimming with malice. Sipping it and shifting the balance. Y'all don't got the pen or the papes to be betting against me. Shaking down for more green than the small town Shakespeare. I see panoramic, always walking hand in hand with champions. Will damage you for questioning the characters. I ask you no handouts. You Nodded, but I knew it Cause every week your father gives you bread like it's communion In the holiday months, once a week ain't enough You coming into the store and spend your ducats on lunch I know you bite your lip and mumbling And shivering and stumbling When this shit gon' be thundering And pummeling your stomachs And I've been sunning them sister to a one event And I know it's troubling when I come in Remind them who's the vet, the best Consider your speakers blessed I'm eating the seasoned flesh And if it Bleeds and it's fresh, I'm sticking you with the mess The chef, no Raekwon, I'ma drop a crime banger Eight the hearts of nine men, that's 36 chambers Word to the woo, now only them red and nines Could shadow boxing with two, I got no option to lose I got no plans to disappoint your boy Flex the index joint and write the word of God I got apostles to anoint been around the burning bush, so let me lay it out basically. I got so many sons, all these honeys looking matronly. Playing with a force, you should only follow faithfully. Keep my name out your mouth, dog. Don't even pray for me. Stacks, I'll spit a line to spite my fame. Cause I know it's not a race, we run in opposite ways. I beat a man behind the curtain, pull it back, it scares you more. Everybody's trying to make love, I'm just trying to make war. See the black skies and centurion battalions trying to get my black thoughts live